0: Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. On today's episode, I have a very special guest. I have my Jiu-Jitsu professor and the owner of Insight Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu here in Bastrop, Texas, Alex Henley. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, thanks for having me on here. We've been talking about doing this for a while now, so. We have and it's definitely been something that's on my mind because Jiu-Jitsu obviously plays a big part into my life philosophy, and I've learned a ton from you. So, how did you get started in jujitsu? Because you've done a lot, you've competed a lot. You have your you have two schools now, and an affiliate. So, how did you get started on this? And we're just getting started. That's right. I hope. I, hope.
1: <laughs> I think, like a lot of people, I was taken in by MMA, specifically. You, I guess, back I don't know a long time ago. I remember stumbling upon some kickboxing on ESPN or something, and mm-hmm. late one night, and it was never my jam. I, I'm a musician for my whole life, so. Art things were always what drew me in instead of uh, sport things. And even though I always felt like I was somewhat athletic naturally, I just never delved into that. But I I just started seeing stuff on TV and it drew me in and then I'd go away and do some music for a while and just as I accidentally fell upon it is when I would watch this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then one day, literally, I think it was just like a a marathon of some UFC something or other, tough or something like that. And I was just really wow, this is cool. And I don't particularly want to be punched over and over again or punch anybody over and over again. But yeah, that stuff on the (laughs) ground, that stuff on the ground looks cool. And I just watching it and if it's even hard to imagine now because I know all the terminology, but back then I didn't know anything. So I was like, I guess that's the jujitsu part. And now they're talking about guard and I now, now I've watched it a few times and I'm piecing it together. I think the guy on bottom with his legs wrapped around, that's the guy who has guard. And, mm-hmm. and I really just pieced it together. And I always loved to roughhouse with friends or brothers or whatever. So it just seemed like a natural thing. And I, I was interested right away. And then I don't, maybe four or five years after becoming a fan, I finally pulled the trigger and
0: started training in uh, North Austin. Oh, that's awesome! So you were watching it for quite a while a long before time. you actually started training.
1: Yeah, yeah. And owning a gym, I see a lot of that. I see, I get a lot of people call in or or, or walk in or whatever, and they're very interested and they want to know the schedule. I'm like, actually, we have a class tonight. Oh, probably like next week or next month, three There's, years from now. Yeah, I that's know. it. But it's <laughs> a, and people need a little bit of time to prepare for it. I needed a long time. Like I said, I think it was about four years before mm-hmm. I before I pulled the trigger. Yeah, before you warmed up to the idea. Yeah, money and just—I'm saying money—but it was all about just not being ready to to take on something new and and to suck at something
0: new mm-hmm. again. But once I jumped in, I didn't mind sucking at it. it. It's so true. I remember I used to, as a kid, I did taekwondo no for eight years and I had a black belt and I used to compete on like an international level with some wow. tournaments and whatnot. And so going to jujitsu and being a white belt again. That was a very humbling moment. Very humbling, yeah. Because not only am I a white belt, but I'm also getting beat up <laughs> <laughs> by <Right>. people <laughs> who are also white belts. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so I had to really swallow my pride on that one. But I remember what that was like. And I think being in jiu-jitsu and training regularly, I think we take for granted sometimes how, how nerve-wracking that experience can be for some people. Because you see some new people come in and like their adrenaline shoots through the roof on their mm. first roll. And you just got to, you know, let them ease into it sort of thing.
1: I try to tell lots of stories of my beginnings to new people to ease them in. And I think, I don't know, like a parent or something. They probably just kind of like start glazing over after a while because I've got a lot of stories at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was, I was the worst. I was, I was the <laughs> bottom of the totem pole. I, I, all my warmups, it took me forever to shrimp. Mm-hmm. I see people come in and, and struggling, but their shrimps look pretty good. I'm like man, if you could only know how bad I was at this in the beginning, you'd feel so much better about this. Yes, I think probably they think most often that it's platitudes that I'm not being genuine, but I really am. I was really the worst. Everybody in the gym beat me for a while. Yeah, And it just, I didn't mind being the low guy on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I'm like, well, somebody's got to be the worst in the gym, but at least I'm here. That's right. That's how I felt about it. I just had to get, walk through the door, Mm -hmm. get that part down. And then after that, I was fine being the guy who was, not kicking everybody's butt. Yeah. For a while, then It'd I ended be in up in the doing punching better. bag. <laughs> I was a little bit, yeah. And I started with my buddy Eric Freed, who's got a—he's a head instructor at a gym in uh, in Taylor, Texas, called Concept BJJ. Mm-hmm. And and he kept me honest by keeping me there because I did get injured early on with ribs, and I thought about leaving. I thought maybe I wasn't tough enough, but I'm glad that I stuck it out. Obviously, it yes. became my my life and my livelihood, but. He regularly just always thwarted me, just annihilated me over and over again. And then eventually, we, we became a fair match. You know, it was, <laughs> we, we became good training partners, but not at first. He just
0: murdered me every single time. I had nothing for a yeah. long time. So, so for those who are unfamiliar with some of the terminology in jujitsu, what, how would you describe a shrimp? <laughs> Cause oh. somebody might, may think that you're talking about a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, no, actually I'm getting hungry now. Um, <laughs> I'll try to see if
1: I, okay. If you're on the ground and somebody is sitting on top of you, mm-hmm. you push on them and then create a stop. You make them stop while you, you push your butt out from underneath of them mm-hmm. to get some distance. And then. From there, ideally, you'd probably either get up or wrap your legs around them or kick up, kick to mm. you know, kick some teeth
0: in or something. Yeah. That, just well, self defense wise, yeah, it gives you an opportunity to get away. And and one of the warm ups that we have in jujitsu yeah. you know, for the audience is uh we do that movement on the ground. We call it shrimps. Yeah. So you're basically scooting your hips out, and if, for it's a very basic movement, but just to give some context to what Alex was saying here, even that was difficult in the beginning. Their humble man. beginnings, man.
1: <laughs> the worst. That was just the worst. Some of the kids I get are as bad as I was as an adult. But I I really, I don't, in my mind, I haven't seen an adult in my gym who is as bad at shrimping as I was when I started.
0: That gives us all hope. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the
1: reason I tell that story is because I'm a pretty good grappler now. But man, I had to fight pretty hard to get what I got in the beginning, especially. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you want to, probably you could YouTube shrimping, BJJ
0: Shrimp. Yes, I. Gosh, I hope that brings up. Right <laughs> I hope that brings up uh, the proper video. <laughs> I think it will. <laughs> I think we could be confident about that. So, what was the transition between you starting and then you starting to compete? Because I know that competition became a very big part of your life when you were around a purple belt, right? It did. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that is exactly. I was a few months into
1: purple belt when it started kicking in seriously. I competed as a white belt and a blue belt a little bit, but again, I just did not perform well. I never got better than third place. Mm -hmm. I think more often than not, I didn't place. And it wasn't that many times. I think I got round numbers here. I think I got two third places and probably competed in, mm, six times. Mm. So four times I didn't place and two times I got third place or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I did see growth within those times. I went from being submitted my first match to only losing on points to catching uh, a submission or winning on points a couple of times. And I saw some growth, but I could just never quite break that through that, that thing. But genuinely I was just never the guy who got first place. It mm. was, it's never been my story up until jujitsu Jitsu. It's funny, even now, like I play any, I play board games or I, wh- whatever it is. I like any just fun thing with the friends. Mm-hmm. I never win anything ever, yes. ever, <laughs> except jujitsu. I can win at jujitsu a lot of times. That's, <laughs> yes. that's like the one, one thing in my life that's done it. So it's really given me a lot of confidence. But and so I decided after competing a couple times at Blue Belt, that uh, this just isn't for me. I, I just want to be a hobbyist. I just want to go and train at the gym and, mm-hmm. and have my, I, I care. they're like family already. At that point, I really cared about everybody I was training with and we spent time together and uh, watch UFC or whatever. And uh, But no, nah, I just want to be that guy and I'll go watch my friends compete. But I got my purple belt and I was really feeling myself at purple belt at this point. I was really noticing some big gains on the mats Yes, and uh, doing well against people that always terrified me previously yeah, on the mat, in my home gym at the time. And uh, before I owned a gym where, where I was training mm-hmm. and, and I remember seeing a, a, some social media posts about some teammates who had competed at a fight to win tournament before it was a pro thing. It was just their fight to win mm-hmm. tournaments. And uh, instantly, I don't know what like jealous. I don't know what the feeling yes, was regret. Was something. Regret. That, <laughs> oh, I should have done that. Why didn't I sign up for that? Mm-hmm. I, and I was like, wow, it really surprised me even though I just didn't expect that to come out of me, but it did. So I started searching for the nearest chronological and geographical tournament to me. And I found that the soonest one was going to be in San Antonio, which is yeah. an hour and a half away and went and signed up for it and got my first gold medal that day. It was, oh, yeah, it, was, yeah, it was great. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah it was, that
0: itch kind of came up. Yeah, you're like, oh, man, I guess I just had something to prove to myself. It, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's cool that you leaned into that feeling. I think it, it I've seen a lot of people, not just in jujitsu, but in other arenas of life when they get that feeling they let it consume them and they try to get rid of it by distracting themselves or numbing themselves to it and never really acknowledging that not realizing that sometimes when you feel these inclinations to be curious and go with it cuz look what it's turned into for you it's like that one little like agitation you're like all right <laughs> let me go check this out and you've competed in some pretty high level competitions.
1: For my age, I'd say, yeah, because I started in my thirties, I I have never been at the world level of like black belt world adult. That's another beast right there. Yes. But yeah, as far as being my age, I've gone and done what I could at worlds and pans and mm-hmm. competed in Europeans and stuff, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, I tried, I, I've tried to
0: push myself. Yeah. Now your son is a pretty committed competitor. <laughs> did you guys start at the same time to put it lightly that, that's is, pretty yeah. good <laughs> it,
1: it does consume him in a good way he really luckily jiu-jitsu is there for him because it really helps him be uh, the best him he can be and I, i'm really proud of him mm-hmm. we did he actually trained in kung fu for a few years before i found jiu-jitsu before i started jiu-jitsu mm-hmm. i knew what it was already um, and then my professor at the time was just opening up his own spot to which i had followed and and put a little bit of pressure on me to bring Grayson over. I was like, man, mm-hmm. I can't afford it. And he already does a thing. And mm-hmm. no, thanks. He's like, man, come on, just bring him in. Just you know. Yeah, just, so, just try it. <laughs> yeah, so Grayson was the first student there, and, and he actually liked it. And and we worked out a deal with money where I could afford it, and so it was fine. And then within, gosh, I don't know, I'm making some of this up, but maybe within another year, six months or a year, mm-hmm. uh, my son Grayson, he, uh, he realized that he just didn't really want to continue on with the Kung Fu stuff. He just mm-hmm. didn't feel the passion for that. And he really liked the jujitsu and he yeah. made it pretty far, not quite to full black belt. They have what was called a junior black belt level. So it was black mm-hmm. with a stripe in it. Yeah. But he just didn't want to, even yeah. though it was maybe just a few months off, he just didn't, he's like,
0: eh, yeah. I don't want to. It him. wasn't for him. Nah. And you could, you could definitely see Grayson's passion in his competition. He's won some pretty big tournaments. Yeah, but you can see it on his
1: face when he's competing. Yeah. He's just really takes it seriously. He's, he, he wears it very
0: cleanly on him. <laughs>
1: it's just, it's hard to hide with that kid.
0: Absolutely. That kid. Yep. He's, I remember um watching his fight to win, like we we all had a little watch party at one of our you know teammates' houses, mm-hmm. and it was within a few minutes he just he did a the dead orchard, which is a, an arm bar <laughs> for those who are not familiar with that, but it was just so clean and technical, and you could see that there's a vast difference in his determination and his focus in a match from his opponent a lot Oftentimes, of
1: the time, yeah yeah, exactly, even when he doesn't win, he's never totally outclassed he, he's always where he should be and that's really it's really he's definitely in the upper echelon of his division which is a high performing division mm-hmm. really yeah he, he's very impressive yeah so to speak to that end he he did at blue belt he won uh nogi worlds as a juvenile he mm-hmm. won american nationals gi and nogi at purple belt he has and i might be forgetting some stuff but he's placed at lots of things in blue and purple belt but he won nogi pans that's football. right. Yeah, and in fact, there, his final submission—the the submission he got in the finals of that match—is on the mural at our new I gym. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. It's I, I was like, "Is that
0: Grayson yeah, that's <laughs> on that <totally> mural?" <laughs>
1: so if you guys go look up, I'm not sure. If you go to look up uh, like Insight BJJ on Facebook, you, mm-hmm. you can probably
0: find a picture on there somewhere. If you're yeah. about it, it's really cool though. I, I love the the story of how you and Grayson got into jujitsu and what it's done for both of you. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting about your story is it's like I'm at I think the level that you were at when you started competing and I've recently had an inspiration to like really go out and compete. Really? Yeah, like I, I, I would have like and I'll, I'll just say it now on this podcast and be a little vulnerable here. I would tell people that I wouldn't compete because I needed to focus on my work and whatnot and that like I just didn't have time to train the way I wanted to and whatnot, but The the, the truth is that's bullshit. The reason why I wasn't competing is because I was afraid to lose and look stupid. Like I, I built that up in my own head, put a lot of pressure on myself. But after having this injury and like taking a moment to chill out, relax, let my nerves calm down, that feeling similar to what yours was, I don't know what the emotion is, but there's like this pull towards, hey, this is something that I would really like to do for me.
1: Not something like, to explore about yourself. Yeah, yeah.
0: something to explore. And I, I've always loved competition as a kid. And there was this moment that something changed and I didn't quite know when, but it's come back to me at 30 years old. I'm like, all right, it's time. <laughs> I'm gonna get back in there. Good, man. That's good.
1: I, I'm And as your professor, I'm super excited to hear that because you were such a good grappler. Thank and, you. And I would like to explore that with you. I'd like to watch your journey as you're exploring that yeah. and be, be a part of that as much as you'll allow me.
0: Of course. Yeah, but, man. I'm excited for it. Yeah,
1: me too. <laughs> And to continue on really quickly, what I was going to say earlier about my competition at purple belt is that after I did that once, I wanted to make sure it wasn't a fluke mm. because maybe might be, I just, and I remember that day. I remember it very well. I remember the matches, the, the sweeps, the, I remember all of it Yes, <clears throat> because it was very important to me. And, um, and they were tough matches. Like mm-hmm. they weren't easy, especially the finals one. What it was a kind of a knockdown, dragout kind of thing. Yeah. And so I knew that I was performing well, but still was like, but I want to see. I just need to make sure. So I kept competing. At really, at purple belt is when I did my my best mm-hmm. percentage of wins mm-hmm. wise. I was just feeling it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I've done well at Brown and Black ish. I just haven't pushed myself as hard as I did at purple belt specifically. Yeah. That's yeah. when the fire was. <laughs> And that's when I opened Insight and I had more to prove than as a purple belt opening a gym, which I I wouldn't even really suggest outright, Mm -hmm. but I was moving to a small town, our small town, Bastrop, Texas, not spelled B-A-S space D-R-O-P, by the way, in case you're sending mail or whatever, (laughs) B-A-S-T-R-O-P. Yes, Um, people like to refer to it as Bastrop. All right. Um... I forget where I was going with this. Yeah, no. I mean,
0: <laughs> no, I remember you told me this story before, actually, that one of the reasons that you opened the school is because you were moving so far away from where the other school was. So yep. you're like, hey, I'll just open my own. And then it turned into this thing that, I don't know if you expected it to turn into what it has, but it's been, at least in my life, it's been a gem. I've met some of my closest friends there. It's it's just like where I go to feel at home and, and with people that you know care about me, but I, that I'm also able to work on my craft and it's become this really amazing thing in my own life. So I, what were you going through like in in your mind when you first opened the school? What did you think it was going to be?
1: Yeah, you're dead right that it wasn't what I I didn't plan for it to be what it was. I was actually working from home as a web developer Mm -hmm. full time full 40 hour week plus And, uh, and I was moving out to Bastrop to be closer to my mom who had been widowed recently. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just wanted to train. I wanted to have something local. I could still drive into my then professor's gym mm-hmm. in North Austin, but I wanted to not have to drive every time. So if I could develop something out here, even if it were starting with white belts, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And so I called around some different martial arts schools Absolutely not wanting to make a dime. I just wanted to have a program. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I'm a purple belt. That is that is considered a level of expert at, at what we do, especially in, in a place where there are no other people mm-hmm. around. And uh, there was another gym out here, an MMA gym, but he only did MMA or, and no-gi. Mm-hmm. And, and I wanted to have the gi outlet. And mm-hmm. so I called a few places, and I just couldn't even get anybody to crack a door open for me. Rent you some space,
0: nothing like that? Nothing.
1: And I was offering to just... Let me have some time on your mats when you don't have a class. You can keep all the money. I don't need any. I don't want any. I just want to have a program. Mm -hmm. I I have a job. I don't need your money. Yeah. And uh, excuse me. Also, my allergies are bad right now. And they I couldn't even get anybody to take my phone call. Wow. I got one lady to take my phone call. We had a great conversation. And within five minutes, she sent me an email saying, you know what? Never mind. It changed my mind. Wow, that was so strange. Yeah. We, ended, we ended up talking later on. I actually ended up helping her out. She was a Taekwondo lady. Mm-hmm. I helped her out with some Facebook marketing stuff. After I had started my gym, we became more friendly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was just surprised. And so I was like, all right, let me look and see what is out. There And so I found a dirt cheap place with no lease where I, I could bail if I needed to. And I just, I bought, I had some used mats. I bought a couple more f- off of Craigslist. I just didn't spend a whole lot of money at all. Mm-hmm. And and man, within five months, I needed more space and we moved. And then within two years, we moved to the last location as of last week. Yeah. The last lo- you know, and So we just kept... Going Within a year, I had quit my full-time job to focus on this because it was doing well, and I wanted to see where this went. So, yeah, surprised me, but I was down with it. I I was doing what I love and not answering to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Certainly nice.
0: What do you love most about being a gym owner and a professor? What's most rewarding for you in that experience?
1: I would not. There are a lot of things I think that I would not consider doing. As an example, and I, I imbibe, I have... Drinks. Mm-hmm. You and I have margaritas together sometimes. It's usually I, on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is usually on Wednesdays and Fridays and Saturday. No, <laughs> so obviously we, but we don't get trashed. We just right. have some drinks. We hang out and we go home. Yeah. I don't think I would ever want to own a liquor store. As mm-hmm. an example, I wouldn't want to own a vape shop. I the kind. It's just for me. No judgment. But mm-hmm. I want to improve. I, I want to help people be better mm-hmm. versions of them, and I, that's what I feel like this industry does. And I, it's not that I'm not trying to take credit for that. I found it because of that. Mm. And it means so much to me because of that. I don't consider myself to be a good salesman at all. I'm, it's not my forte, but the sales itself, I just show up and teach what I know. Mm. And I try to be as friendly to people as possible and, and seeing lives change for the better is what I enjoy the most. Nick Riley was one of the people promoted. He and his wife, Taylor were promoted this last week into purple belt. And Mm -hmm. he said that was his story. He came in three or four years ago. He was an overweight beer delivery Mm -hmm. driver, delivery truck driver. And so I guess he, I think he's like one ninety now, super fit guy. Uh, yes, former that, former that, that man is a leader. <laughs> I think a bit but, uh, gymnast kind of guy. Yeah, ridiculously mm, athletic, right? But he came in at like two thirty, two forty, and and he mm. drove a truck, and it was a beer truck. And I don't know if he, I'm not sure if he had the beers. I'm not sure. <laughs> but he and now he's a firefighter, and he so he's also taken what he's gotten here. Mm-hmm. He's changed his eating habits and he's changed his career. I feel like that is a, and he said as much essentially in his acceptance speech of his new belt, Mm -hmm. that it's just what people get from the environment, like a gym, like Mm -hmm. insight in in any solid martial arts or specifically jujitsu gym, since that's what we're talking about, they get that ability to find a new, better path for themselves. And man, that just, it's done it for me. Mm -hmm. I, I, we were talking before the podcast about my life leading up to me starting jujitsu and it's overused, but the uh, jujitsu saved my life. Mm-hmm. Term in air
0: quotes. Yeah, let, let's let's chat about that if you're good with that. Yeah, I, I would love. I haven't heard the story yet, so this will actually be the first time that I actually hear the story of how jujitsu changed your life. I've I got the summarized version. Yeah, a
1: lot of those stories are I was into bad stuff. I was doing bad things. I was mm-hmm. going down the wrong path. I wasn't. That wasn't my story. I've always I was always a pretty good kid, mm-hmm. but I did. In my late teens, early 20s, I very recreationally messed around with some different drugs, and mm-hmm. and it was fine. I didn't really abuse it too much, but I had one particular evening where I, I took LSD, mm-hmm. and it wasn't the first time. It wasn't many times, but it was definitely the last time. Yes. And I, I can't really even put into words what went wrong, but mm-hmm. man, it went as wrong as I could imagine. Mm-hmm. I, it really changed me on a fundamental level. It changed something about me that night. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's all I can really say. I, I can't really tell you what or how or when. It sounds like it was like beyond words. It really was. Nothing traumatic nonetheless. Nothing bad happened literally, mm-hmm. but something snapped in my mind. Yes. There was a, a friend that I was with. Uh, man, we never talked again. I, he went from just being a, a pot smoking musician to I think he delved into religion very deeply, which is fine, but mm-hmm. it really something shifted in both of us, and he went one direction, and I just was lost. Mm-hmm. I started having anxiety badly, and uh, it didn't happen right away, but within a few months, it, it started creeping up. And for a good three or four years, I had anxiety attacks, and, and my recollection is for about two solid years, mm-hmm. it was one solid anxiety attack for the whole time. I had a hard wow. time driving because I just I knew I was going to have a heart attack and die. I knew it there's mm-hmm. no I, mean, I went and, <laughs> you were I went, certain I was certain I went to the specialists some specialists in Houston heart hospital in Houston to have EKGs done because I just knew something was wrong of course it wasn't it was all in my head mm-hmm. but uh, and, and it led to actual palpitations which mm-hmm. weren't harmful it was just the side effect yeah it, you were just almost self-inducing them it was the state you were in. and then those palpitations would continue it was just this cycle that I it would continue the the anxiety. So it
0: created like its own feedback loop.
1: It really was. Yeah, exactly. It was just this vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. And, and then I I was able to pull myself out of that cycle, but I never really felt the same Mm. for a long time. I felt just like something else. I don't want to be hyperbolic, like a shadow of oneself, not that extreme, but I just felt like something wasn't Mm-hmm. old me anymore yes and uh, that was 10 years of that I just felt a little bit off and mm-hmm. lost and all those things kind of like drifting really yeah. exactly it was hard on my then marriage mm-hmm. and and I wasn't a bad person I wasn't a, It wasn't you couldn't make a movie about it it was quite boring from the outside it's <laughs> like it's not a that wasn't crazy enough <laughs> to make a whole movie but it was for me it was tumultuous and um and then I man at, at early mid-30s I found jiu-jitsu and that just started that that has led me to be I don't know if it's who I would have been, but who I feel like I'm supposed to be now. Yeah. And I have been that, I'm just the confidence and the closeness with the people that I train and my son Mm. and my family in general, my daughter and I, she trained for a little while. It's something that we've all Mm -hmm. um, used to further along parts of our relationships. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I
0: know it's not quite movie of the week worthy, (laughs) but um, it's a powerful experience, right? Like I think, A lot of things have the capability to make us feel lost, whether it's a psychedelic trip or a traumatic event or a relationship that goes awry and just leaves you feeling fragmented, feeling broken in some ways. And usually, at least what I've found in my own experience as well as in the experience of coaching the clients that I do is that when somebody has an experience like that, they need to find something, a purpose that runs deeper than whatever suffering and pain that they feel. And it sounds like that's what you found in jujitsu, like something that was not necessarily the bandaid for you, but beyond the suffering that you were experiencing by feeling like you were drifting and feeling like you were off. And so it's important for people to have a focal point, not because that is the destination, but it gives them something to aim at, it gives them something to move towards. What would you say were some of the most important lessons that jujitsu has taught you about life itself or about yourself Confidence, I think,
1: is the thing that it's given me the most—I feel like this is the level of confident I should have been Mm -hmm. the whole time, or I would have been. I don't really know. But I want to diverge just a little bit, and I think it's answering your question, though, and I think it's apt— for your podcast since the name is what it is. Mm-hmm. But I really like, realized what Zen I found in jujitsu early on. And so this is one more story that I'll
0: tell you. This is what it's for. Cool. <laughs> good. you good.
1: But this is stuff I enjoy thinking about this part of my story and mm-hmm. imparting that to people if they care. And it might just, like, again, it might go over their head. They might not care. This is my journey. But if you want to hear it, here it goes. I told you that I moved back out here to be with my mom after she, to be closer to my mom after mm-hmm. she lost her husband. Um, my stepdad and I were super close. I lost my dad at, a, at an earlier age when I was 13. Mm-hmm. And and I believe you have a similar experience? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I was seven. With your mom. My mom passed. Yep. Yeah. And so a lot of things that, that a young man gets from his dad, I didn't have time to get. Like specifically car stuff, as an example. Like just changing tires or brakes or any of this stuff. Changing your oil. Mm-hmm. Learning how to drive, period. I just didn't get a lot of that stuff from my dad because of the timing but uh, John Riley was his name. He and I were close. He was a very even mix of friend, mm-hmm. brother, and stepdad. Mm-hmm. And we were close. We played music together mm-hmm. all the time. So we, really, we, were, we were buddies. Yes. And we were really tight buddies. And then also he was married to my mom. We had that relationship. And then I just, we, I loved him. I loved him like a brother. It was all the things. Mm-hmm. And and he was diagnosed with cancer in 2011. And within three months, and that's the year after I started jujitsu, hmm and within three months, he passed away. About three months in, he passed away. It was very fast moving. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized during that time where, where he was still alive but sick, all of us know grief. We've all lost somebody. Mm-hmm. And I know from having lost numerous people in my life that you, there is no escape. You just have to push through it and mm-hmm. come out the other side. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. But what I found was I would go to class in between hospital visits or whatever. It was just life was hard or running errands for them or whatever. And uh, I would go listen to technique about half there and about half still head in the hospital room with my family Mm -hmm. a few miles away. And then we would roll. And then the next thing I know I'm walking out the door and I hadn't thought about anything Mm. for 15 or 20 minutes. Nothing. My stepdad wasn't dying. Money wasn't tight. Rent wasn't due. Bills weren't late. None of that was happening in that time I was rolling. I Mm -hmm. was only in the moment. Yes. And that I felt like I had a, like a cheat code, like a life hack Mm -hmm. for grief, even though you really can't, there is no escape, Mm -hmm. but I had this little respite for myself, to where I felt energized and I felt more ready to go back into that situation and handle it more head on mm-hmm. and be strong for my for my mom and for, yes. for my stepdad who was super scared, obviously. <clears throat> and uh, man, that, that was it. I, I was not quite belted in jujitsu yet. I was nearing my blue belt at that time. But man, it really made a difference in my life mm-hmm. knowing uh, that is when I recall knowing this is something I want to do from here on out. Yes. And I, I remember being really set on the blue belt mile marker mm-hmm. which all of this happened so close Absolutely. but then after that I was just like I, I enjoyed the belts I loved when stripes came I'd fret over a little bit I'm not above that but it really wasn't about that I just wanted the journey I looked mm-hmm. forward to having a black belt someday mm-hmm. but I was super enjoying the journey after that so I was really focused on that blue belt and then after that it was just wide open I was just like yeah this is just what I love I just want to keep coming back yeah
0: yeah you fell in love with the process I of- really did of the actual training itself. And it, it's really interesting that you bring up when you're in a role, how like everything outside, like all the problems just seem to disappear for that, for those moments. And at least what I've realized is, is I think that's one of the things that's most addicting about jujitsu is that is the level of presence that you get into during a role. Mm-hmm. Like you, at least where it has been important for me is I associate a lack of presence during a role to getting hurt. Cause every time I've gotten hurt, it's cause I've been somewhere else in my oh, head. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, so it is a meditation for me, but a meditation that I get to do with other people who are also in the same experience and everything else seems to melt away. And I think bringing yourself into the present like that, just equips you better for all situations in life. Like the tough ones that are pretty much inevitable. You're not going to avoid grief and death Mm -hmm. of loved ones, nothing like that, but you can show up with a little more presence. And I think jujitsu, that's at least the effect that it's had in my life. It sounds like it's been very similar for you. It is. It really is. And I I think, unfortunately the caveat
1: is that jujitsu isn't that for everyone. Mm -hmm. It it doesn't do that same thing for everyone. Some, it freaks some people out and it makes some people get angry that they're losing it's but I think everybody has their thing Mm -hmm. uh for some people it is music and for some people it's riding their motorcycle and underwater basket weaving I don't know but this is our thing and so we have this shared connection Mm -hmm. and we see the value in it for ourselves I remember posting something about how great jujitsu was on face I think I shared a post even Mm -hmm. this is back when I used to post more goofy stuff I I really don't (laughs) post much anymore um but uh and, a mu- and it was something along the lines of, gosh, I feel sorry for all the people that don't know what this, what great thing this does for us. Mm-hmm. Very innocuous. Mm-hmm. I got a message or a response or something from a musician, a pretty high level musician guy that I know. Who, How dare you message? But I was like, oh, man, I understand where he's coming from. He's a little bit high strong on this, but I understand where he's coming from. It was a little bit like, Oh, those poor SOBs that don't train jujitsu, don't know what they're missing. There really is a lot of ways to get this mm-hmm. for various people. This just happens to be how I get it. Yes. So I guess that was the point of the message was I, I hope, I, I hope anybody can find theirs in mm-hmm.
0: path. It, it really can come to you in any way. I think jujitsu is one form of it. At least that's the way it comes to you and I, mm-hmm. But even things like playing music, going and running, lifting weights, you know, one thing that's talked about in Zen is that Zen is not only found in meditation. That meditation is only a one mechanism to practice Zen, but it's not Zen itself. Anything can be Zen. It yep. could be the way that you do anything. It could be the way that you talk to people in conversation. It could be the way you cook, or the way you you clean, like Zen, very simple things. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's interesting cause you also play music. So what does music do for you? Like I know jujitsu gives you this, this Zen experience. What's music like? Cause you've been a lifetime musician as well,
1: man. That's the thing is not that it doesn't. And it sh- it should, I, yeah. re- I really feel like it should. It has in brief little segments of time. I've had that, Oh, this is it. I'm mm-hmm. just in the moment. But usually I feel like I'm fighting an uphill battle a little mm-hmm. bit. It's not the thing that a high-level musician, I, I don't know. I'm not trying to put myself down. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm a decent musician. If you want to hear my music, it's alexhenley.com. <laughs> H-E-N-L-E-Y. Is that perfect radio voice. It me. is, yeah. <laughs> and, and I love to sing. I love to, fi- I would wish I could find the right situation. But right. It, it, it's, it's been few and far between. It's been a long time since I've been in a project with people that we just gel Mm. and when I have it's been amazing I really have felt very similar to that just in the moment very happy very free none of the other problems are happening I get a little break Mm -hmm. but man usually I'm I feel like I'm fighting something, some, just some literal thing. Some, the drummer's out of time or my guitar's out of tune or my voice is raspy and it's allergy season. Literally, there's mm-hmm. so many things that could go wrong for me. And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't
0: find the zen in that that I wish I, I did. Yeah. That a lot of people do, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I that, it, that kind of reminds me of, there's this author that I really like. His name is Mark Manson. I don't know if you've ever read any of his stuff, but he wrote, he wrote a couple pretty famous books in the recent years. He wrote the, uh, the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Okay. And that was <laughs> yeah. a pretty popular book. It's like this kind of like anti-self-help book, which is really cool. But one thing that he st- like he would say is that it's very easy to know what you want and to be excited and enamored by certain goals and like shiny objects or shiny results that you could strive for. He's like the harder part, but the more important part is also asking yourself, what struggles are you willing to go through the way he he languages it is, what is your favorite flavor of shit sandwich? And does it come with an <laughs> olive? <laughs> <laughs> so he says that because, you know, what you're actually willing to deal with to pursue the thing that you love is more, in, more indicative of your love for that thing. So for instance, like in jujitsu, we all have like... Almost everybody I roll with has some kind of a pain going on, <laughs> right? We all have, yeah. yeah, and it's just part of it. There are some people though, that this is not their Zen. Like, uh, I know one of my cousins, he was really loving jujitsu. Like he thought it was great. He hurt himself one too many times, nothing major, mm-hmm. but enough to like discourage him and be like, you know what? No, I don't really love it like that. Yeah. And it's, so it's interesting. Cause like you do love music. But those little friction points make you feel like you're on an uphill battle. You won't stop doing it, but it's not the same love that you have for jiu because you're willing to go through the struggles that jiu-jitsu also brings. And I think that kind of points to what we actually are committed to or what we genuinely want to be a part of. And the kind of, I don't know, for me, the kind of battles.
1: So for me, I, I really like... Um, I like the community in the, in the jujitsu world, mm-hmm. but when it comes down to it, it's just me mm. on the mats with another person. I'm not counting on them to help me out. In fact, it's the opposite. Yes. And with music, I, you've got to be at least in a band gr- uh, situation, which is what I, when I'm speaking of, mm-hmm. you've got to count on people. And there, there are so many things that can go wrong yeah. in that level of musicianship, flakiness, which all artists are flaky. Yes. By the way, in case you didn't know that. <clears throat> and um, I feel like I'm the one guy in music who showed up to band practice on time. And you're I was there all, you're by myself. super punctual. I am. I'm really punctual. <laughs> I showed up in your driveway five minutes earlier today. There I sat out there For, for <laughs> no. two minutes. Yeah, it's just the way. But that's all right. That part I can get past. I don't expect people to. to mm. That's my own little thing. And I know that people can be a few minutes late. It's me. Yeah. I don't care. But it's just depending on other people to be on the same page with me. Mm -hmm. And and it's not just one other person. It's three or four other people. Yes. And that's what kind of music we like. And when can we practice? Where can we practice? What kind of band? What do you want to get paid? All the things. It's a whole lot of stuff to be on. Yeah, A lot of the same wavelength. And there's none of that. I'm me. Mm -hmm. On the mats, in a match, I'm me versus you. And you could have showed up 10 minutes late, but right now we're here. And yes. that's all. That's the only thing. But now this is my zen. So, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's just a different situation. But I think for a musician, they, like you said, your friend, let's say your friend was a musician. that, mm. and, and he's like, yeah, that hurts. I'm going to stop. But hey, I'm going to go play music because that just really speaks to me. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's great. I, I would say you were making the right choice. You yes. need to go follow that path.
0: Yeah. You got to embrace that about yourself. I think resisting that or like trying to convince yourself that... Mm-hmm maybe that that you're making excuses when the reality is you genuinely don't resonate with this thing mm-hmm. is a really healthy mindset to adopt a difficult one because i feel like sometimes we're encouraged or we're encouraged not to make excuses with things just because they're uncomfortable but sometimes we just got to realize yes this is something that i want to do and that it means something to me or no it does not actually mean that much to me and being able to discern that is is tough sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like you do a good job of that because you're one of the most like authentic and sincere people I know in your communication. like You're very direct. H- have you always been like that or is that something that it- you developed as you built like confidence in yourself? Man, you know what? I actually have had to dial that back. Oh, you've had to dial it
1: back? <laughs> yeah, I've really had to explore the uh, talk to others differently than you speak to yourself. And I'm not hard on myself, mm-hmm. really, but I'm very frank with myself and mm-hmm. so it's regular that i don't actually think the words but if i were to put words to it i would think well, that was a really stupid thing you just did g- dumbass yeah you probably shouldn't do that anymore <laughs> now if i say that to me i'm like yeah, okay message <laughs> received. Right. i say it to you and you're like damn dude you couldn't have thought of a nicer way to say that <laughs> like you really that's the thing and so i've i've had to dial back and i've also realized a lot of times and a lot of people don't want to be called out mm-hmm. it's just not for everybody yeah, they want to move through and just it's so I got to pick my battles. Whenever yeah. I do that, I have to do it more at the gym mm-hmm. than than I would in regular life. But <laughs> that happens. That's everything. Like I'll ask. Sometimes I have to ask a woman what her weight is because mm-hmm. she's competing and she's asking for advice on how close are you? What's your weight? Should you go up? Should you go down? Should mm-hmm. you stay where you are? And so I would never do that. In real yes. Life, not not out of that context. Oh no, no. So <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. Sorry. It's
0: No, it, it's interesting because I, I actually, I admire that just because at least up until recently, I always had trouble doing that. Like I always had trouble being like direct and frank with people and direct and frank with myself for that matter. And so what's interesting is that while you need to dial it back with some people, at least for me, I actually respond better to when I'm called out directly.
1: I do too. Yeah, and like, that's, that's why it's natural for me because yeah. I, I would almost rather somebody say, hey, that was a really stupid thing you just did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for me, that is how I want to be spoken to. And so that's what I had to dial back for so many years is like, oh, I, I didn't realize yeah. that people don't like being told how stupid the thing they just did was. So how what's a nicer way to say that? And that So that's hard work sometimes. And sometimes I try really hard. I, just this week, I had a conversation, a really short conversation with, with somebody at the gym. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, here's a way around this problem, mm-hmm. but it's a problem, so it needs to stop. I really tried to say it nicely, but I started off with the answer. like, yeah. And here's an answer that I think you'd be okay with. Mm-hmm. Um, so now the problem that I'm speaking about is that you're doing this and I that I don't want that kind of thing in the environment that I'm trying to create here at the school. Mm-hmm. And I think Feel like I said it really nice. I only got one word answers back, so ooh, that might have been a person not wanting to be called out.
0: But yeah. man, I don't know. Maybe it'll pass. Maybe it was just yeah. in the moment. And uh, yeah, I think I just think a lot of people will take it personally to get called out, and and rightfully. Like I I can understand that. I've definitely been in a situation where I felt like that. I think a lot of what what makes the difference there too is like the intent. Like if you're really intending on helping them, and they can feel that. Like sometimes that's the way to do it. Yeah. That is generally my intent. It's yeah. just, I really want to help build people up. Yeah. Not that, well, I think you've done a solid job with it. We have Gosh. quite a great group of individuals, whether they're just competitors or hobbyists, but everybody seems to be very humble, good head on their shoulders, really you know, good to be around overall, just to train with and everything like that. I agree. We, every once
1: in a while, we have somebody come in that's not a good fit. And right. I don't really, I've never had to ask anybody to leave. Mm-hmm. They just work themselves out. I feel like they they yeah. realize it's not the right
0: yeah like that environment that, for that type of <laughs> that behavior bit is not embraced, mm-hmm. if you will. So, what one thing that I talk a lot about with Zen Stoic, and I'm curious to hear your take on this since we're going into this direction. But it, in Zen Stoic philosophy, I talk a lot about intention and how what is felt from other people as well as your ability to accept yourself in all situations has a lot to do with whether or not your intentions are in a good place. What role do you think intention plays in communication, whether it's you're communicating with your training partners or you're communicating with just people in your life that you care about? What do you, what's your way of self-governing your own intentions or reflecting upon them? I, boy, this is a tricky one. I don't think
1: too much i i know myself and my intentions are almost always positive
0: mm-hmm.
1: i can't really think of a situation where i'm just out to hurt somebody yeah you know, or whatever <laughs> having
0: malice or something right like that. it's yeah.
1: just not the way i'm built generally speaking i think also generally speaking mm-hmm. i might be saying that too much people sniff out whether the intent even if it's subconscious they mm-hmm. can feel or hear or something that the intention isn't what I'm saying it is mm-hmm. it, it as an example, not me necessarily, but if, if I were to say to that person this week, the same message, but in a way that were, was built to make them feel bad about themselves, mm-hmm. which I hope I didn't do again, that wasn't my intention. So I, right. I don't think that was what was given off. Mm-hmm. I think people sniff that out and either right right away or over time that would accumulate. And they would probably excuse themselves from mm-hmm. being, and I would, if I felt that from somebody aggressively or a little bit over a long period of time, I would, I've done it. I've done it. With my last professor, it was a long, it was over a decade and I was just like, yeah, this is built up and mm-hmm. I don't feel like your intentions are, that's actually, I can't believe I didn't think about this earlier, mm-hmm. but that was what, it, what, what led to my departure was the intentions just weren't in my favor, right? They, they weren't, they weren't to help. Make the situation better. Mm-hmm. They were ego driven, as yeah. an example, and that was just that situation. You can feel you it. Know, like
0: it, it's sometimes it's the the observable behavior or words doesn't add up to like it being a bad intention. Mm-hmm. Like logically on the surface it seems fine, but I feel as human beings like we we feel that among each other, and we just know when something's off. Mm-hmm. And the more and more that stacks up, the more. You're just like, all right. And that was
1: just the general timber of that relationship over time mm-hmm. because this man was ac- honestly a really good man, too. He is a good man. He has lots of good qualities. Mm-hmm. But the it start, the paradigm started to shift, if that's mm-hmm. the right terminology. It went mm-hmm. from, generally speaking, because he, he also encouraged me in a lot of ways to open the gym in the first place. Mm-hmm. But it started to shift from that to a little bit more Trying to, I don't know. Anything I say is just my perspective, and I don't want to put that out there necessarily. It just wasn't the healthiest mm-hmm. thing it could be. I needed to move on to to a different leader, mm-hmm. a different mentor that would lead in a different way. I, I felt that it was time for that. So yeah. the intention—I don't know what the intention was. What he would say it was, but it was uh it, what I felt was it, it had shifted, yeah. and the
0: intention. I'm doing lots of these hands that nobody can see. <laughs> It's okay because they're good for you (laughs) (laughs) to think through these things. (laughs) So speaking of that, like having a mentor for that long Mm -hmm. and making a switch to a new mentor can be a a very difficult thing. Mm -hmm. What kind of pulled you towards your your current mentor or or the professor that we have as a whole? Yeah.
1: Man, I I am very loyal, and I think that's what kept me around Mm -hmm. my previous professor for so long because – Sticking with something or, or bailing on something super quickly just isn't my jam. Mm-hmm. And maybe I could have bailed earlier, but I felt like the timing was right based on the current yeah. current climate that, that was happening a year ago. My current professor is a guy named Brian Marvin out of Houston, and he is a Henzo Gracie black belt, which is why we're affiliated under Henzo Gracie now. And man, it was just a good vibe. I actually had conversations with him a couple times over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with anything, just in passing. And I think he had I had heard that he had been with one organization and then moved to Henzo Gracie. His entire career had been with one organization mm-hmm. and then he moved to Henzo Gracie because of some political type of differences. Interpolitical, not actual politics. Yes. And uh and so it was nice getting to know him on a personal level, just here and there. We'd be at a competition and we'd chat for 20 minutes and I was like, man, what a great guy. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah, a Solid dude. And he's a competitor and he competes well and he's a badass. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then remembering that conversation, when I was contemplating making this change from my previous professor, I went to him for advice, not to go to him. I was mm-hmm. like, hey, you left one place and went to another mm-hmm. You and recently. So let me pick your brain a little bit and see what the ins and outs were absolutely zero intention of going to him to be under him i just mm-hmm. wanted to talk to a friend that had been through this and so he gave me some advice and then the shit hit the fan a little bit quicker than i expected at the previous situation mm-hmm. and it hit me i was like wait a second i'm i'm there asking his advice but he seems like a really genuinely good person and, and he's got his head on straight and he's got a you know a handful of gems half a dozen gems more gems that he is running co owner somehow mm-hmm. over and, and and I wonder if he would consider and what would that entail and what I, it was so easy all the questions I asked that essentially mm-hmm. everything was like yeah no problem like, <laughs> what about this yeah no problem so <laughs> wow that was easy would yes. so I can be under you yeah no problem what do I have to do I think we just did it like, okay, (laughs) nice. that was super easy. Excellent. It was great. I was like, this is what I need. This is what this should be. Mm -hmm. We are not in a martial art that is deeply steeped in Eastern traditions. Mm -hmm. It is a very organic and oftentimes some places are a little more traditional and, and, Mm -hmm. and strict, but most of the places I've trained and definitely all the places that I call home, both Insights, Corsair, Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, Concept BJJ and Taylor, all laid back, just buddies, just trying to have fun yeah. and make each other better. Iron sharpens iron. And uh, yeah, I, so that was the the vibe I got from Brian Marvin. And it's just, man, it's been great. And mm-hmm. in my previous situation, I was often being asked about business ideas. The, my last professor just wasn't, he had a gym and he taught really great jujitsu, but mm-hmm. he never really, he hasn't grown his business in the mm-hmm. last... 15 years or whatever it's been. And and I want to explore that business side. So I would do something and, and he would come to me like, hey, that was a cool idea. What'd you do there? I was like, oh, I'm happy to share it with you. Mm-hmm. However, this seems backwards. I, I need mentoring.
0: Yeah, like I need to ask you these questions. Right, right,
1: exactly. I should be coming to you with, with all the cool stuff you're doing and asking advice. And man, I've got that in Brian Marvin. Mm. He, he He's done. Just by being him, I'm watching him and I'm picking up on stuff. I don't even really have to pick his brain that much. Yeah. Just observing. As an example, this is so literal, but as an example, I went to his gym and I saw he had the vinyl cutter there. I was like, well, that's cool. And, <laughs> and the heat press, I'm like, how much is that? is that? Is that $400? Is it $4 million? I don't know how much it cost." <laughs> so I went and looked it up. I was like, oh, I can afford that. So I got it. And I was able to, to start branding all of our geese and do all of the window signage that I've done. It's just, it's saved yeah. me a ton of money. by yeah, just, doing, just observing how he- Just watched him be him. Yeah. And it, it made things- I don't know. It's just it's made things. And then I've actually had to go to him and ask him for advice sometimes, mm-hmm. and he's given me his advice. And I'm just like, cool. That's what I want to know. Thanks. So I follow it because yeah. he's been there. I look up to him. He's actually about six months younger than me, but mm-hmm. he's further along in his jujitsu, mm-hmm. and so he's seen stuff. And I want to capitalize on that. Yeah. And, and I want to be the the wise guy that there's a saying. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, but a smart man learns from his own mistakes, but a wise man learns from others. Mm -hmm. That's what I want.
0: I want to, I want to be able to see all the crap you did right and wrong. That's right. And go from that. Bring in that wisdom. Yep. And I think that's actually a really good thing to look for. I think you touched on something really important. If anybody's ever looking for a mentor, I think probably the best way or the best indicator that this person would be a good fit for you as a mentor is you learn by watching them be themselves. Yes. They'll tell you things. They'll talk to you, but It's beyond that. Even if they didn't tell you anything, you could learn just by watching them do their thing. I think that's a solid person to learn from if you can learn just off of that. I strive to be that. I'm sure I
1: don't succeed all the time, but that is really my goal. I really admire the lead by example mentality. So and we can all talk a big game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and people see, that's the same thing. People see that when you're all talk about all the things you've done, mm-hmm. it might all be legit, but still it can come off as too much. Mm-hmm. And if you just exist, just be you and keep doing what you're doing. It can be how hard you train to, that you open the car door for your wife or your girlfriend, mm-hmm. you know, or what, I mean, it's just oh, yeah, little things. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And she really seems to appreciate that. I know it's just some example or that you, that you pick up after yourself, that that mm-hmm. you don't leave your stuff around the gym, around the house, or, you mm-hmm. know, you're visiting a fa- I don't know, that kind of thing. Just, I try to do that. And I've seen it help in my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, my son, when he's at my house, doesn't clean up after himself at all. Mm-hmm. But I see it. I watch him be elsewhere, and he's he does this. Mm-hmm. He makes sure that he's not the person that they're getting frustrated with. Mm-hmm. So, that's cool. I like that he doesn't do it at my house. The, the thing that I like is that he feels safe. Yeah. And then he goes somewhere else and he's learned well yeah. by, by watching and, and being told all the things. But anyway, yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's that, a positive way to, to lead, in my opinion. It's a very Zen way to lead. Is it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're, not, you're not like saying everything and I'm like talking up a story. Fuck. You're just being and people are like feeding off of that in a
1: good way. I hope. And again, <laughs> I know you can't please all the people all the time. And I know that we've had some people exit mm. our gym because things weren't a right the right fit. I guess we touched on that earlier. Yeah. Things have a way of working themselves out but really there hasn't been anybody that's left that i don't wish mm-hmm. just hasn't always been a good fit and sometimes that might be because it's not them it's me you know yeah. like i'm not a good fit for them not the other way around sometimes
0: could could be i think if we were a good fit for everybody then there would be nothing special about any relationship or mentorship between people so i think that's a really important thing as we begin to wrap up here i have one last question that i Ask everybody in a different variation. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) So the question is this. Obviously, you've learned a ton through your experience with jujitsu, your life experiences with people and everything. If you were to have the the misfortune of waking up one day and forgetting everything you learned, but you got to keep one thing, one lesson or principle, what would that be for you?
1: Man, I think the thing that I hold truest. And this is corny and it's nothing super original, but I just want to keep treating people how I want to be treated. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's how I run my business because I'm also not a strong, the strongest business person. Mm -hmm. I just treat people how I want to be treated. And that seems to be doing me okay so far. Yes. So if everything else is out the window, that's the thing I got to keep. It's it's the most basic part of me. Right or wrong. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes I need to be Told that I did something stupid.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can tell me that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, we're there now. I trust you. <laughs> you tell me that you we're can, there. Know, yeah. We've reached this
0: level in our friendship. Can tell me that.
1: But that is you treating me how I want to be treated, and that's what
0: I. That's what I want. It's the golden rule. Yeah, yeah. and the golden rule has worked out well for you. Just I think in life and in business. I hope so. I yeah. hope it continues to. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome and simple. It's profound. And it, it's those f- simple, like basic, fundamental things that we sometimes forget about and don't realize how important they are. And that ties back into jujitsu, right? <laughs> you t- you
1: have somebody, especially somebody new coming in, wanting to work on. Uh, I'm thinking of a particular particular teenager mm-hmm. that wants to work on flying omoplatahs or whatever, yeah. <laughs> like, flying arm bars, flying triangles. And they're like, man, just learn to hold mount.
0: Yeah. That's good. Learn this one thing. Learn that. And just
1: do it. I think a Hodger Gracie going I don't know, back 2010 or 12 or something, when he won every single match of his absolute world's division mm-hmm. by an X choke, by a mounted X choke. Everybody knew it was coming. Yeah. Nobody could stop it. It's the fundamentals. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes. It's, fundamentals. Yeah, that's it, yeah.
0: <laughs> I like it. Yep. So, Alex, where can people find you if they want to check out more of the either your music or jujitsu stuff? where Where can people find you online? Cool. I've got several things here, so I'll go down. We'll put all the links in the show notes as well. But. Okay.
1: Cool. good. Yeah. So, I would say go follow the school if you mm-hmm. want to follow something. My my personal professor Instagram page is okay. I put mm-hmm. some personal stuff on there, but the school stuff is on Instagram is at BJJ Insight, mm-hmm. all one word. Same on uh, Facebook slash. BJJ insight. Mm-hmm. And and then music is I think on Facebook and Instagram it's Alex Henley Music H E N L E Y. Mm-hmm. And uh and then my music webpage alexhenley.com.
0: That's awesome. Yep. Alex, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. This was this fun. Is great. Thanks Vic. <laughs> Love That's you great. buddy. Love you too, man. All right.